You can have a seat wherever you're at. Glad you're here. It's good to be back at the park. We're going to jump in here to 1 Kings. If you got your Bibles, you can open up. I think we should have it right up here. I know, you know, things look a little different since the last time we were at the park. We got a little, you know, one of our tech guys said, wow, we almost look fancy with these new TVs out here. We almost look like we know what we're doing. Not quite, but almost. 1 Kings today, 17. And I'm going to start a little bit before just to give you guys some context. But this is the prophet Elijah. And the prophet Elijah, if you don't know much about him, his story is, it's incredible. Uh, I, I love reading the stories of the prophet Elijah. But here's what it says in verse 1. I'll pick up there. Chapter 17, verse 1 in 1 Kings. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. This is divine provision. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Sometimes there's moments where there is divine provision in our lives, but we have to be able to discern when that brook dries up and we need to know it's time to move on. The brook is dry. It's time to go on to the next place God is calling us to. Sometimes we want to sit right there where we know, man, God is providing. He's moving. It's comfortable. But once the brook dries up, we have to be discerning and wise enough to understand we can't stay here anymore. That's one of the things I love about revival. We're not comfortable, right? We don't have that place where we just sit and we stay and this is it. I do believe that God is going to provide a home base for us to work out of. In fact, that's what we're sowing into this month. We're sowing a seed and we believe God's going to give us a home base. But I believe we will never grow comfortable. We will always move when he tells us to move. We'll go where he tells us to go. We don't want to be sitting by a dried up brook that's not providing running, living water anymore. We want to go where the water is going. We want to go where the winds of the Holy Spirit are directing us as the church. That's what we've been called to do. So when the brook dries up, be ready to move. Now we'll pick up here, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow to feed you. Once again, this is going to be divine provision. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Elijah's kind of demanding like that. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. That's how bad things had gotten in the land. This drought that had come upon the land. It had come to this point now where it's just it's time to give up and die. This is the end. 
I was thinking about that as Luke was sharing his testimony. Part of his testimony was that feeling of self-hate, hating who you are, hating what your life has come to, hating what your life looks like, that it doesn't look or meet the expectations that you thought it would at this time. And you begin to struggle with these thoughts of self-hate. The enemy loves to plant those thoughts. He loves to sow seeds of doubt. And so anywhere that God is trying to plant and he's trying to, and trying to fertilize and trying to do something, a good work, the enemy wants to try and come and sow seeds of thistles. God wants to see the harvest, but the enemy wants to destroy that harvest. And so he's trying to sow seeds of doubt in our lives constantly to get us to hate who we are, to get us to turn away from God, to get us to quit and just lay down and die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Make a little bread for me first. Some of us, we're hearing this, we're thinking, that, that sounds kind of selfish. But it's not selfish. It's the most helpful thing he could say to her in this moment. If you would give me your first, he's going to give you more. Amen. Watch this. Watch this story. This is incredible. This is divine provision. She's down to the very end. This is it for her and her son. Don't be afraid, he says. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. This is a promise of divine provision from the Father. But is she willing to trust? Are, are we willing to trust? Even today, it's really easy to look around at the economy and say, I need to hold on. I need to save. I need to just kind of gather what I have. I can't afford to give anything away. And he said, no, no, no. Give to me first. Elijah wasn't being selfish. He was doing the most kind and helpful thing he could right there, telling her, no, no, no. Sow your seed into the kingdom and watch how he provides for you. You will never run dry. He is your provider. And so this whole month, as we're talking about what it looks like to sow seed into the kingdom, it is counterintuitive to what we know and what we see and what we understand in this world. It doesn't make sense to give him our first, but when we give him our first, he provides everything else. Kingdom math, it doesn't add up. <laughs> When you start to look at your bank account, when you first start giving and you start to say, I'm going to give him my first tenth instead of whatever I have left over at the end of the month, you start to see the divine provision that takes place in your life. And there are moments that you look at your bank and you're like, it doesn't make sense. I'm not making more money than I used to. I, I don't understand. Sometimes there's money that comes out of nowhere, a check that randomly comes and you're like, I, I don't get this. I don't understand. You don't have to understand. Just trust him. Give to him first. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. 
He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times, and cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to me. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and the Lord truly speaks through you. There's not even just divine provision in their lives. They see the miraculous. We talked about this passage last week and, and Jesus tells this parable of the shrewd steward. And if we would just be wise with the earthly things that he gives us, the earthly treasures, if we would be wise and use them the way his word commands, that he would be able to trust us with true treasures true riches. We would begin to see the miraculous. We would begin to see the healings. We would begin to see God's hand moving in our life. But most of us, we can't even be trusted with what he's given us here on this earth. We hold on to it and all we're doing is holding on to seed that he meant to be sowed into the kingdom. Mm. He's telling us today to trust him with that seed and let it go and sow it back into his kingdom. And it'll come back 20, 30, 40, 100 fold in our lives. It'll come back in ways far greater than anything we could have ever done with it if we held on to it ourselves. He's better with our resources than we could ever hope to be. He's wiser. He moves in incredible ways. But most of us will never get to see it or experience it because we refuse to trust him. And we keep holding on to seed that he meant to be sowed into the kingdom. The last passage I want to read for you today, it comes here in Matthew. I'm going to jump ahead here. And worship team, if you guys want, you can come on up as we get ready to close it out. Actually, let me go to the passage in John instead, Scott. John 6, 16. Or 22. John 6, 22, Jesus, the bread of life. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. There's so many times, some of us, that's what we keep looking for and we think we can control and manipulate God. If we do this, if we do enough, if we give enough, we can get. He knows the motivation of our heart. In fact, today in this moment, I would tell you, ask him to purify your motives, to align them with his word and his will for your lives. We don't give to get. It's a bonus. It's a blessing. But that's not why we give. 
We, we give because we trust him. We give because we trust that what his word says is true. And we give because we know we can't outgive him. And the more we trust him with, the more we begin to see these blessings. But we don't give to get, we don't give to manipulate because we know that this world is fading. It does not last and we can't take anything with us. We just want to see the true riches. We want to see the outpouring of his spirit. We want to see that move, that final move before Jesus returns. We want to see revival in the land. We want to see people experience what Luke shared about today, the revival in his own life, the freedom that God and the Holy Spirit are working in him, teaching him to walk in. We want to see that kind of move. We want to see the true riches of the kingdom. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. The signs are meant to point to who he is as the son. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life the son of man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all our ancestors ate manna while they were journeying through the wilderness, the scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Mm -hmm. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. I want to go back to that verse 34. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Some of us, we, we want the bread, but we, want, we don't want to let go of the seed. We, we want the bread, but we don't want to let go of the seed. There's no bread without the seed. There's no wheat without the seed, and there's no bread without the wheat. It's a process. He wants to see if you'll trust him, if you really believe that he is who his word says he is. That's why we give the seed. We hand it over because we trust and we believe he is the bread of life. We don't give to get. We don't give to try and manipulate, to try to control, to try to get what we want. We give because we believe he is who the word says he is. And this is what his word says. So we trust that today. There's no bread without the wheat and there's no wheat without the seed, but there can never be bread unless we begin to trust him with everything he's given us. And then we'll begin to see the true riches poured out. We'll see him move in incredible ways. We'll see the miraculous. We'll see prayers answered that we thought would never be answered. 
Verse 41, then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father, everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. Listen to the Father. We think we can have salvation without obedience. Mm. And you're right. We are justified by faith alone. But faith without works is dead. If we don't listen to the Father, Mm. if we don't walk in obedience, that's no faith at all. It's empty and dead and lifeless faith. And so we open the word and we begin to let the Holy Spirit do a work in us. And it's a process as we begin to say, I want to listen and obey to his word. Listen to the Father. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I who was sent from God have seen him. And I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. That's a promise. I am the living bread that came down from heaven and anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. Let's stand and worship him today. And during this last song, I I was just asking you, invite the Holy Spirit in. Ask him to convict you, to show you, to teach you in this moment. What is that area that you've been holding on to? That area that you've been saying, no, 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 God can have all of me except this. I I, I can't be obedient in what his word says in this area. Because this is who I am. This is how I live. This is what I want. This is what I desire. I don't know any other way. And he wants to teach you another way today. He wants to teach you to walk in trust and obedience to his voice. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Because when we learn to walk in obedience to his word, there's freedom there. When we begin to let go of that seed and we begin to scatter it and we begin to sow it into the kingdom, all of a sudden we begin to see the wheat popping up over time. And where there's wheat, we know what's coming. We know the bread of life is coming right behind it.